You're listening to Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey, the podcast that shares wisdom and strength. Join your host, Dr. Michelle St. Jane's weekly conversation on how to have a positive impact for people, planet, and the wider world. If you want to live a life of intention, be proactive with your time, and bring your vision for the future to life one today at a time, you are in the right place at the right time. Let's get started. Welcome to your next amazing story with Suzanne Oshima, life and love transformational coach who empowers smart, successful women. Listen up, Suzanne's going to talk to us about how to transform midlife into your best life. She guides women who wish to find love again in their next chapter, and she's joined the series around online dating for global leaders to give you a taste of what your future could be on a conscious journey. So what's cooler than hearing how she's turned her clients' courage and adventure into opportunities to connect and courtship? Suzanne, your online dating career has beautifully evolved alongside the exponential growth of online dating this century. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So, you know, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited to be here. But yes, my career has grown along with online dating. It started, I didn't go to college to get a degree in online dating, but my career in dating started when I launched an online dating site in 2002. And then as I was going along in the process, as you know, with any business, it can be, there can be challenges. And I was trying to to compete against the big players back then, which were Match.com, eHarmony, Yahoo Personals, and Lava Life. And it was a challenge. And so I realized, I was like, can I really compete with them and keep pouring money into this company or should I transition? And you know, it's always hard to like transition your business when you thought that was the path you were supposed to go down. But I decided at the time where that show Millionaire Matchmaker, the reality TV show was really hot here in the United States. And I said, oh, I could do that. So I transitioned it to an offline matchmaking and date coaching agency. And I worked with both men and women in matchmaking and date coaching. But in working with both men and women at the time, I started to realize that there was a complete disconnect in what men wanted and what women thought that men wanted. And I was like, oh my goodness, if I could teach women how men think and what they want, infinitely women would become better daters, get into relationships and ultimately get married. And so then that's when I launched Single on Stilettos. That's very like this show, Sex in the City, right? And I was living in New York City at the time. And I really wanted to focus on women and helping them with coaching and helping them understand men. And then as I got older, (laughs) more mature, I should say, I started to outgrow the name Single and Stilettos as much as I loved it. But also I started to realize that my audience at the same time was growing with me, right? And so I said, you know what? I feel like I need to go into the next chapter of my life and name it something different. And so I shifted the brand name to Your Next Amazing Story, It's Never Too Late, because I really wanted women in midlife to really understand that, number one, it's truly never too late, and that you can transform midlife into your best life and find love again in your next chapter. So that's the whole journey that I went through from 2002. 
Gosh, I just love your wisdom. I have been proposed to, believe it or not, 13 times. And being a Rubenesque woman, my friends would be like, oh, you're fat. You know, men don't want fat women. And I'm like, you know, you are habituated by what you see in magazines. I am having no problem attracting men. In fact, a little too much. So consequently, that was my issue. But the other thing was I was like, don't go in and tell your whole life story. Keep a little mystery. Listen to him because if people are not listening to them, they're not listening to you. So there's a roomy quote that I love. Silence is an ocean. Speech is a river. When the ocean is searching for you, don't walk into the river. Listen to the ocean. And I find that that's a big issue for people to actually pause and listen and also be able to have conversations that engage the backwards and forwards, the hearing, the responding, the caring, the contributing. Yeah, that's so true. And I love that you said that because how I always envision it, we as strong, independent women, we're very much in the doing phase, right? In our business or in our jobs, we're very much in the doing and getting things done, which is the very masculine side of us, right? We can look feminine on the outside, but that's the masculine side. And so when you were talking about that in the quote, that was so beautiful to me because it really said to me to really step into your heart and really step into the being versus doing, right? Well put, absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because I'm at a stage in my life where I want to be relaxed into my being. I've done plenty of doing. I'm a high achiever. Been there, got the sweatshirts, had a few careers, done too many degrees, pivoted out of the traditional world into podcasting last year during the pandemic pause and loving it because I can bring my creativity and engagement on a level that is not all linear and driven. It's more relaxing into enjoying people, which is what I like to do. But speak to this sort of overwhelm. There's like over 1,500 dating apps and websites. So nowadays, there's an efficient way of expanding your choice pool for courtship or drowning in it. How do you help your clients manage overwhelm, Suzanne? Well, you know, it's an individual thing, right? And I always say, as my business coach says to me, is your journey is your journey. And whenever he says that, I love that because it really takes the pressure off of us, especially us high achieving women who always feel like we need to get to that end goal is just to relax into that. And wherever you're at is where you're supposed to be as long as you're moving forward, but stop the comparison like, oh, she's so much further ahead of me. Oh, how come she achieved that, right? It's to really step into yourself and your journey. But it's important to realize that not everybody is sometimes ready to date. Like if you've gone through a traumatic divorce or a breakup, or like some of my clients, because I only work with women in midlife, have gone through where their husband passed away and they are now unexpectedly single. And so you have to go through that healing process, right? Before you get out there and date. And that's super important. And so when people are just starting out like that after, you know, a long hiatus from dating is I always say to take it slow and just join one. I know there's, like you said, I don't know what the number was, 1500. I don't even know how many there are, but I'm sure it's a lot is one, just one when you're first starting out. Because I don't want someone to get overwhelmed. 
And then like, if you're in a different place in your life though, and you're doing online dating, you've been doing it for a while and you feel comfortable with it, then that's the only time I say now do two. And when I say do two, I mean one paid site and one free site because you want to optimize your chances. And the sites that I do recommend, and I do not get paid by them, is the reason why I recommend Match.com is because 90% of my clients have met their match on Match. I know that sounds like a riddle, but it's true. And also because they were the first, I don't know if you know this, but they were the first online dating site. And so they have the biggest database. So you want the ones with the biggest database so that it pulls in and you can narrow it down. When you start off with a company or a site that has a small database, then it becomes even more narrow in your chances of meeting the right one. So that's my recommendation. And the second one really depends on where you live. I know you live in Bermuda, so it may be a little bit different. And, you know, in the UK and Europe, it's a little bit different in Australia and New Zealand. It's just different. So, you know, you have to decide what will work best for you depending on where you live. Absolutely. And also being willing to take on some new skills and new ways of dating. But before I get to that, you usually are pretty good on statistics. What are the current sort of statistics right now? Any interesting ones that come to mind? Yes, yes. I love that you asked that because, you know, it's so funny when people are like, oh, there's no good men online. I'm like, that's not true. That's actually not true. It is now the number one way to meet your match, whether you're looking to meet men or women, it doesn't matter. It's the number one way couplers are meeting, whether it's in a relationship or marriage, the statistics are growing exponentially year over year. And what a lot of people don't know, and this is going to be good for your female side of the audience, is more men use online dating than women. So women actually have the advantage. And I just know all the men out there are going, oh, but it doesn't matter, honestly, the numbers. If you have a great profile, then you will get results. I'm going to say that again, because a lot of people don't realize this. You have a great profile and your pictures are 90% of your profile, you will get great results. A lot of times when people complain that they're not getting results, it's because they don't have a great profile. So if anyone was hemming and hawing when I said match, and they're like, well, I tried match and I didn't get results. It's honestly, it's probably because of your profile. And I can look at anyone's profile within the first 30 seconds, I could tell why they're not getting results. And I've turned around plenty of my clients' profiles to get results and get married. So both men and women. I call that your superpower. You have said it. I have seen you do it. And I have been the beneficiary of some of your amazing wisdom as well. You are definitely the go-to girl when you're ready to go online dating, get your profile right, get your photos right, and get yourself a really good coach or into a group like Suzanne hosts as well, for sure. So just in terms of this conversation and for very busy global leaders and women, what are the top three mistakes that you see across a profile, a virtual date, or an in real time date? What are the three that you kind of go, whoa? Just for like if they do a date? Not before they get to the date. Well, you could touch on before the date, if you like. <laughs> uh, the, I already mentioned the first one was people don't have the best profile. And I've seen it with both men and women. And they'll assure me 
assure me, now I have a great profile. And then I look, I'm like, no, you don't. And thank you for saying that's my superpower. I never even thought of it that way, but it's true. So it's number one is what I always say to people is you don't know what you don't know. And what I mean by that is if you've never done online dating or you've been doing it and it's not working, then why would you, you know, that Albert Einstein quote, if you keep doing the things the same way, you'll keep getting the same results. Well, if you're not getting results, then you need to do something differently and seek out that expert. So that's number one. If it's not working, it's probably the profile. That's mistake number one. And people always think it's because there's no good men online or no good women online, or they're not looking for anything serious. No, that's not true. Okay. So that's number one. I would say number two is people taking too long to take it from online to offline. And let's just pretend there's no pandemic. I'm going to talk in terms of that is they go back and forth on email exchanges or texting, and they never get to actually meeting in person. It's that's where the New Yorker comes out of me a little bit is like, let's get to it. Let's move along. Let's figure out if we're a match because I don't have time for this. But you, the general rule of thumb is two to three email exchanges, jump on a phone call or on a Zoom date. And then meet in person, pretend no pandemic. If there's a pandemic going on, depending on where you live and you can't meet in person, then do a virtual Zoom date. Everyone looks great on Zoom. (laughs) Well put, well put. So I've never done a virtual date. What was the number one thing to avoid messing up on? On a virtual date? Well, you and I are doing this right now over Zoom. People listening to the podcast can't see us, but the important thing to know about virtual dates is the lighting, the angle of your camera. I always suggest Zoom and not FaceTime. I don't know about you, Michelle, but sometimes when I jump on FaceTime and I thought I looked good on a mirror, I'll jump on FaceTime and I'm like, oh God, what happened? But when I jump on Zoom, I'm like, I look good. (laughs) So, you know, Zoom, what people don't know, has a little touch-up feature. I don't suggest using it where you do it too much, but just a little. But the lighting is very important, noticing your background, because people notice. I've gotten on Zoom calls just in general with people and you notice their dirty kitchen or their their messy bedroom and you want to think about surroundings, lighting, and the angle of your laptop. And that's the other thing. I always suggest doing it off your computer versus an iPad or your phone because no one looks good when it's so close up. So it's important to practice, like jump on a practice Zoom date. Now we're all so good at Zoom is it's important to practice with somebody and say, okay, how does it look? How does the angle look? The lighting, everything like that. Treat it like a real first date. Just because you're meeting over Zoom does not mean, oh, I don't have to dress nice or do my hair and makeup. No, show up like how you would show up on a date. Great point. I've had two incidences happen. One, I was talking with someone and they look really good from the chest up and then they had to jump up and get something. And I'm like, that's very funky pajamas. The second one was I was talking with a professional and that person was in that person's bedroom. I'm trying to be gender neutral here. But at first they had things physicians, so I didn't realize it was the bedroom. But then something happened and things got moved and I'm like, it's the bedroom and I had to work with my committee in my head going 
it's a pandemic. People are using whatever space they've got. There must be a noisy, a noise impact or people impact. So get your head out of this. The bedroom, you know, I live in a very small, I choose to live very humbly and small. So I have to pick my spots. But I must confess, I don't know what it is, but I always check what's around and whether I, you know, what can you see? And I have a very busy whiteboard with all my work laid out on it. So it actually would be really good if I could turn my computer that way. But I'm like, oh man, I would be giving away all sorts of information. I'm not sure I want out there. So we're supposedly post-pandemic, post-COVID isolation. Do you think there's going to be kind of a big bounce into people jumping into relationships or somebody used the word cuffing? Have you heard cuffing where people hook up for the winter? Any thoughts around those two areas? Yes, I do. So this is really interesting because now we're a year into the pandemic. And again, depending on where you live, you may still be in it or you may, things may be loosening up. But it's interesting because at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually predicted when it first started, to ha- I said online dating is going to surge. And everyone was like, how do you know that? And here's how I knew that. And I was actually right because it has surged and it still is surging is because I lived in New York City when I launched my online dating site and 9-11 happened when I was about to launch my online dating site. And I almost scrapped launching my online dating site because I thought, oh, who cares about online dating after that happened? And I couldn't have been more wrong is that was a wake-up call for people that they realized that they didn't want to be alone in times of, you know, things like that, that happened, tragedies. You don't want to be alone, most people. And so that's why I knew when the pandemic hit, I said, people are going to wake up and they're going to go, I don't want to go through something like this alone. So that's why online dating did surge. And it's still surging. And as you come out of it, it's still going to do really well. But I think that what will add into it that's different is that now people are going to be able to meet organically as we come out of it. But I still feel like online dating is going to be the number one way people meet because you still need to be careful. Let's be frank, right? Yeah, really good point. And also the diversity, the pool, you could be talking to anyone around the world. The world is so global and mobile. Well, can be again at some point. So, you know, if you've got a thing for Australians or Chinese or Fijians, you could meet these people and get to know them. And if it was to work out, it's not impossible to go from, you know, in the virtual world to the real world at some point. And then, oh, I forgot you asked about cuffing. I've heard of that term. I don't know what it is, so I can't comment on it. Can you define it for me, what it is? And then maybe I could comment on it. I All of a sudden, I felt a little old because I'm like, oh, God, is that like a 20, 30-year-old term? Well, perhaps it's 20, 30, or 40-year-old term. It was explained to me, because I'd never heard it before the last couple of months, that cuffing is when people go online to get into a relationship for a reason or for now. And typically, believe it or not, it happens in the winter months when they want to snuggle down. They don't want to be out on dates. They don't want to be going to look for people. They just want to cuddle up. And even though this is not the one that's for now, you know, it's a thing, apparently. Yeah. 
Okay. So now I can't comment on it now that I know what it is. Here's what I would say to that. I think that probably happens for the younger generation in 20s, 30s, early 40s. But also, I believe that it also happens in places where it's colder during the winter because people don't want to go out. Like when I lived in New York, the winter, no one wants to go out. It's exhausting putting on all those layers, right? So I could see that happening in New York. But You know, not that it doesn't happen for people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s, and beyond, but this is what I would say. If that's what you want, that's obviously totally fine, but go in with no expectations because I think the problem with that is, is that men can do that and have no emotional attachment. And what I find for women, because I've been doing this a long time, is women are going, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I can just do this and I'll be fine. And then sex gets involved and they're like, no, I could do that with no emotional attachment. I'm a grown woman. And then there's always a shift. I see it all the time. It shifts and then she starts to have feelings. She wants more and she can't understand why he can't give her more. And he's like, No, we had an agreement that this was just for now. And so it's important for people to get really clear on what they want and don't shortchange yourself. If you want a relationship, a real relationship, not a cuffing relationship for the winner, is then don't do that because you're shortchanging yourself. And what I feel is that if you have standards, stick to them. Don't lower your standards just for a short-term relationship. To me, that's not worth it. And it honestly causes a lot of emotional issues. And that takes time, energy, and work because if you don't clean that stuff up, you take it with you, wherever you go, your baggage goes too, right? That's what I say to everybody. I'm like, if you don't heal and you don't work through it, you're dragging that baggage up the hill with you into your next relationship or marriage. Exactly right. I'm curious, do you see a difference between the sort of dating in Miami, New York, and California? Like, are there differences across the states? There are. And I say it with caution, and here's why. is because a lot of times I find that people will make excuses for where they live. And what I mean by that is they'll say, oh, Suzanne, there's no good men here in New York City or Los Angeles or San Francisco or Miami, whatever it is. It can be a small town too. People tell me the same thing. And it's just there, it's the story they're telling themselves in their head. And quite honestly, is dating is as good as you think it is. And the men and all of that are the women for your male audience. It's as good as you think it is. If you keep telling yourself the story that there's no good men or women out there, then that's all you're going to find is no good men or no good women out there. It doesn't matter where you live. The dating dynamics shift is because I've lived in New York. I've lived in San Francisco. I've lived in Los Angeles. So I know there is a slight difference in that men in New York are more alpha male, they take the lead, they're more gentlemanly. And San Francisco, they're a little bit more lax. Los Angeles, they're a little bit more lax. But dating is what you make of it. If you keep telling yourself the story about that it's not great, and you're never going to meet someone, guess what? You're probably not. It's all about your belief system about dating, but also about yourself. 
Absolutely. If you believe it, you can achieve it. And that is good results as well as bad results. I must confess, I really like people. So I enjoy dating, not for a purpose of you're the one, but because I really like people. So I'm actually looking forward to it. Having been a global traveler, both in my personal life and my professional life, that's been one golden thread that's always gone through is I just really enjoy people. And having been widowed at 27 and divorced, I also know people are in your life for a reason, a season and a lifetime. I'm also on that journey of what does that now look like? You know, it's, I have choices about what that looks like. So it's, for me, it's kind of an exciting adventure that I'm priming myself to consider. So as we wrap up, Suzanne, I would love for you to share about your services and programs with the audience because I'm a true believer. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. So I work with women in midlife. I really focus on, like I said, women in midlife because I really want women in midlife to realize that it's never too late to create their next amazing story and find love again in their next chapter. And the main program that I have, and I'm so proud of this program and the name of it, it's called the Circle of Love Sisterhood, is it's about supporting women in midlife and finding love again in their next chapter. But in in all parts of their life, because what I find is finding love does not happen in a vacuum because things are going on in our life, whether as we're getting older, we're losing our parents. Like when I went through that, that was traumatic or things are going on with your children as they're growing up. And so you need that support system. A couple of the women in the group call it their support group. And I love that they say that because it's not, I want women to understand finding love again, isn't just about a destination. It's about supporting you along your journey. I think the Disney princesses have a lot to answer for that because all we get is to the, he proposes, they get married, but we don't see the two year, the seven year, the 20 year, the 30 year. Are they all still married or divorced? I wish someone would rewrite, add to these stories endings because those gals are older than I am. We're still priming people to believe, you know, in the fairy tale and often Prince Charming is an adolescent in a man suit. So it doesn't always work. And the princess is an adolescent in a ball gown. So you know, neither of those are quite ready to make a long-term relationship work. And pretty quick, they add some babies to the nest and it gets a whole lot tougher and careers and becoming the sandwich generation with children and aging parents and family members. So, you know, without a good foundation and keeping your side of the street clean, relationships don't have much of a chance, do they? Yeah, I love (laughs) how you put that. That is so beautiful. Thank you. Any last words as we wrap up, Suzanne? Yes, I just want everyone in your audience to just really enjoy the journey and realize that it's never too late to go after whatever you want in life. It really isn't. What's the oldest age for a woman in in your group that you've seen settle down and marry? Because you have some amazing outcomes for your clients. Yeah, my well, my best success story is a woman who was 74 And she lived in Nova Scotia, Canada. And she was at the point where she didn't want to get married again. She just wanted a life partner. She was really active doing hiking and doing traveling and all these things. And I helped her find love again. But in the circle of love sisterhood, it's women anywhere from their 40s to in their 79. Wow. There you have it. Thank you so much, Suzanne. I appreciate you being here and your work in the world. Ah, thank you.
Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership, and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe. Leave a review and a rating. But more importantly, share with your connections.